morning. It's Mission Sunday. You know, people seek the higher ground for many different reasons. Advantage in a battle to escape rising waters. Maybe like here in Lubbock. Well, hardly ever. Primarily, though, we seek the higher ground because it changes the way we see the world around us. And we want to see a better view. We want to take it all in. Like maybe when we travel. We seek that higher ground so that we can gain perspective and we can see all that there is in that new place to see. But sometimes when we seek higher ground, we're doing it because we want to talk to God, because we want to seek the will of God, want to align ourselves perhaps with the mission of God. Before coming to Sunset years ago, I was a salesman for Vario Telecom. It was a rather large internet security provider, and I worked for that company literally all the time, 24-7. If I wasn't on call, I was in the office. And I was making good money, but I soon became overwhelmed. I became critical, a little depressed, and I was left to wonder, is this it? Is this all that there is? The past seemed to be full of remorse. The present seemed empty and wearisome. The future was uninspiring, and God at that time seemed very far away. I'd done well at the company, and so the president of the company invited me to his house in Maui, Hawaii, and he wanted to talk about the future, my place in it, and and what the company was going to look like going forward. At the same time, a good friend of mine who was in youth ministry in Oklahoma invited me to join him on a mission trip to Mexico. And I tried to figure out which one of those I should do because they both fell on the same week. And the president of the company sent me this picture postcard of Maui, Hawaii. And my friend sent me a picture of his trip to Mexico the the year prior. And I began to think and weigh those two choices. And I realized they were very different. One was about me and my future and my career. And the other one was about something that God might do as I waited and trusted in him. And so I took that dilemma to my friend, and I asked, which choice do I make? And he gave me wisdom, you know, the kind of wisdom that you really don't like and didn't want to hear when you asked for it, the kind of wisdom that when you hear it, you go, I know I need to listen to that. And he said simply, pray about it, choose what is most important, and do that. So I went to Mexico, and it was wonderful. I built houses, and I practiced my Spanish, and I led VBS with the kids, and I went into families' homes, and I hiked all over those beautiful hills in northern central Mexico, and my mind and my spirit were filled with thoughts about meaning and purpose and making a difference. On the last day, I hiked up to a mountain to gain perspective. I looked at the houses and the village square and the people, and I prayed to God, Lord, open my eyes, take my life. Do something meaningful with it. And as I walked down that mountain, I had no idea the power that had just been unleashed from heaven or how it would affect me or others who I later would come to love as a missionary in Lima, Peru. I never imagined what God might do when I made that choice. I got some perspective in those mountains in Mexico. I was faced with a set of circumstances that made it possible to do something to get involved with God and His mission and to accompany Him on His journey. I think our lives are filled with those kinds of opportunities if we just become aware of them. Opportunities to surrender and embrace God's will for our lives. In fact, Paul says 
that every circumstance in our lives is an opportunity to give in to God. In Acts chapter 17, Paul is found preaching on Mars Hill in Athens, Greece. Mars Hill is an elevated location where the Areopagus was located. Now, the Areopagus was an important meeting place of important people where philosophy and religion and law were being discussed. The text will tell us that people there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas and the latest philosophies on how to live the best life. And for all those discussions, the city remained steeped in idolatry and depravity. It would have been easy to look at the city and the state that it was in and the culture and become offended, depressed, maybe even overwhelmed and critical. It would have been easy to have looked at that city and thought, there's no reason to preach here. The Apostle Paul took a look at the city and the culture, and he considered his set of circumstances, and he became greatly distressed in his spirit, the text says. But he didn't stay distressed and inactive. He had what you might call an elevated perspective on things. He stands up on Mars Hill in the meeting of the Areopagus, and he preaches the gospel. And he talks about the resurrection. He tells them about Jesus. And the text tells us many, no, a few repented and believed and became followers. Paul saw two things from that elevated perspective. Number one, on Mars Hill, he saw opportunity to do the Lord's work. And number two, from Mars Hill, he saw the providence of God already at work. Perhaps Paul's thoughts went a little bit something like this. These people are doing the wrong thing, the wrong way. They're doing it in the wrong place at the wrong time. This is just wrong, 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 wrong like me, wrong like I was on the road to Damascus on my way to kill Christians and blaspheme the Lord. I was just wrong. And yet it was the right time for God to work in my life. You see, Paul understood from his own experience that in every moment of Every man and woman's life on earth, God is near, and He's active, and He's in every part of our lives, including our failures and our disappointments and our betrayals. He's present and near in our singleness and in our marriages. He's present and He's near in our anger and in our anxieties. And because God was there on the road to Damascus, Paul found himself in the right place at the right time to obey the gospel. He saw God present and powerful and working. And he saw God willing and patient and waiting for those who would hear his message to respond and believe and obey. Paul expressed this providential work of God in Acts chapter 17 and verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man He made every nation of men. He did this that they should inhabit the whole earth. And He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. And God did this so that they would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him, though He is not far from any one of us. And so from His elevated position on Mars Hill, Paul was present to where God had placed him. Paul trusted that God was providentially working in his life and through his circumstances to bless those around him. 
And Paul knew that God was working in their lives and that the message that they most needed was something he would meet them with where they were, and he did so. And Paul trusted that God and he alone was the answer to all their questions and their doubts and their longings. And as he shared the gospel and sowed the seed, Paul trusted enough, he trusted God enough to leave the outcomes to him. Today is Mission Sunday. And we are prayerfully looking at the works in which we are involved. And we see the providence of God already at work. And we want to seize the opportunity to step alongside of Him. This is Paul on Mars Hill. Not the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul didn't have a wife, poor guy. This is Paul and Amy Dow. We went to Athens, Greece. And there we were investigating some new mission opportunities. And so I want to tell you a little bit about those opportunities And I want to tell you about the providence of God at work that I witnessed there. As you know, through the missionary efforts of another ministry of the Sunset Church, Sunset International Bible Institute, we have a school in Athens, Greece, the Athens International Bible Institute. And this school is housed in the same building as the Evru Church of Christ. The graduates of AIBI have been responsible for starting 31 congregations in 20 different nations. And Amy and I were there to meet one of those graduates, Peter Oza. Peter Oza and his wife, Peace. Now, Peter is from Nigeria originally. He was a member of the church there. But he came to Athens in order to study. School was stressful. It was difficult. But things got a lot better when Peter met Peace, or found Peace. Okay, look, it doesn't get any better than that. And you ask my wife and my kids, it really, it really doesn't. But dad jokes. We laugh at dad jokes, right? Well, Peter now works. Uh, he, well, first, he, he married Peace in October 2015. They have two children, Chukwu Amaka, which means prudence, and Chika, which means purity. Peter now works at AIBI as an evangelist and as a teacher. And beginning in October, Sunset's going to support him in his work. Peter's role in the school is to multiply workers for the kingdom. He sees the providential work of God in his students. And many of these students, when they start at the school, have not obeyed the gospel yet. But he works with them and studies with them and teaches them the word of God. He mentors them and then he sees them placed in ministry. And so I want to share with you some of the stories of graduates who Peter has taught and mentored in the school over the last few years. The first of these is Rosemary. Rosemary came to Athens with her family from Kenya. They came in order to start a new life. Shortly after arriving, her husband became very sick. And a short time later, he passed from this life. And Rosemary was left trying to make a living for her and her three children. At times, she found herself homeless, not knowing where the next day's meal would come from. She found some work as a housekeeper, and that kept them going, but she especially was blessed by the outreach of the school, which would provide food for the students and for the homeless. She began to study in the school, and through her studies, she made the decision to obey the gospel in September 2016 and graduated from the school a year later. Rosemary started a ministry during that time among the refugees in Athens, and she did it at first all by herself. She would receive her portion of food from the school outreach program, and she would keep half of that back for her and her family, a family of four. And she would give the other half to the refugees on the street. 
When the school and SIBI found out what she was doing, they immediately started supporting her. Students and graduates of the school help her with cooking and distributing the food to the refugees in the street. And at times they feed over a thousand refugees a week and they open hearts and minds to the gospel. Peter and Rosemary work together with students in the school to share the gospel with those who are contacted through this ministry. I want to share the story of one more of these graduates. His name is Sylvester. He's a recent grad. He was mentored by Peter as well. And Sylvester is from Pakistan. Sylvester was a Catholic priest in Pakistan who started to see deviations from the Bible in what they followed in the Catholic Church. And so he came to Greece with the refugees from the Middle East through Turkey. Sylvester was arrested in Greece on the island of Ko because he was the only one speaking English and Urdu on the ship, and the Greek police needed a free interpreter. And so some charges were kind of dreamed up, and he was arrested, and he was used as an interpreter. Benny Lika, the director of the school in Athens, met Sylvester in federal prison in Athens through the school's prison ministry. Sylvester was a part of the Bible studies every Wednesday, and when he was finally released, because there weren't any real charges against him, he came to the school and the church, was baptized for the remission of his sins, and enrolled in AIBI to study the Word. There are almost 200,000 Pakistani and Indian refugees in Athens, and Sylvester was God's answer to many prayers for opening a door to that population. He's very evangelistic, Bible studies in his house, Bible studies in others' homes, and he's baptized his fellow Pakistanis and Indians. But he's also working with SIBI to translate some of our Bible study materials into the Urdu language. He's a teacher and an evangelist in Athens, Greece. So these brothers and this sister came to Athens. At times their circumstances were dire. At times they felt distressed at the situations in which they found themselves. But like Paul, they saw opportunity and they expressed faith in the providential work in their lives and in the lives of those around them and saw ways to be a blessing. There's another new opportunity I want to share with you. I met with Aaron Esau and his wife Elizabeth in Cairo, Egypt. They came from their home in Cameroon, Africa to share a vision for reaching their people. They see a great need for the gospel in their country and in Africa, and they believe that one way to respond to that great need is the SIBI initiative 10,000 Voices. So first, let's answer the question, what is 10,000 Voices and, and what need does it meet? Well, the Lord's Church has grown in Africa. It's estimated that in Nigeria there are 6,000 congregations. In Malawi there are 1,000, and in Zambia there are 900 congregations. With this many congregations and some potential for more, the need for preachers and spiritual leaders is very great. One half of the congregations do not have someone equipped to help mature the congregation. We have schools in Africa training and graduating preachers. However, 50 to 75 percent of those graduates will abandon their pulpits after a few years of preaching. The reason is because they cannot make a living. They can't feed or support their families. The churches they plant can't support them. We don't have enough churches in the states to support 10,000 new preachers. We've never been able to support enough missionaries to cover all the need in Africa. And so how are we going to respond? The goal of 10,000 Voices is to train new preachers for Africa 
and equip them with relevant vocational skills so they can be self-sustaining in their ministry. This is going to bless hundreds of congregations throughout Africa that do not currently have a trained preacher. The vocations in which they will be trained, some of these are listed up here on the slide, farming, sewing, bricklaying, cell phone repair. This initiative is not about sending out a single missionary to a country to plant a church. It's about multiplying workers to do that. And it has to be the right person to lead it on the ground. And this is where Aaron and Elizabeth come in, and this is why we met them in Egypt. Aaron is a civil engineer. He's been working as a professor and head of department at the University of Bua, and he's been preaching for 26 years. During this time, he became the director of the Bua College of Biblical Studies in Cameroon. He's also the preacher of the Bokoko Church of Christ. And under his leadership, the Bokoko Church of Christ has planted another church in Bua, the Bomaka Church of Christ. Through this evangelistic efforts of the school and the church combined, 27 people obeyed the gospel in the month of August. And so Aaron is an evangelist, and he has a passion for spreading the gospel. But he's also highly educated. In fact, he just finished completing the master's degree from Sunset International Bible Institute. And that was another reason for us going over and visiting. We wanted to bestow upon him his diploma of graduation from the master's program. Well, anytime you graduate with a master's, you have to celebrate that in the right way. And so his wife, Elizabeth, wanted to make sure we had the appropriate attire for celebrating such an occasion. And so she brought enough clothing for everyone. And we made speeches and Aaron made a speech, and in effect, he was saying, I got this master's because I wanted to be better equipped to lead 10,000 voices and share the gospel in my country. Aaron is well known, and he's loved in the region, and we believe the perfect candidate to oversee this initiative. So beginning this month, we will support Aaron to lead this initiative in Africa. <laughs> The city goes on forever out there. Forever. That's a video from Cairo, Egypt. In August, by video, I discussed our other works that we are blessed to be a part of in New Zealand and Apoxco, Mexico City, and Egypt. In all of our mission works, there are high places. For when you go to visit, our missionaries will take us up to these high places. And as I stood on Mars Hill where Paul stood, I was mindful, I was mindful of these places. The Latin American Tower in Mexico City. The hill above Apoxco, Mexico. The 11th floor of Alfred's apartment in Cairo. Mount Manganui in Taranga, New Zealand. Why do our missionaries take us to these high places? What is it that they want us to see? They want us to see the need of their people, but not to be discouraged, not to be sad or down or distressed, but to see and recognize it as an opportunity. And they want us to see the providence of God at work in the lives of their people so that we, along with them, will recommit and set our hearts on that God-given opportunity. I told you that I climbed a mountain in Mexico years ago, and I asked God to use my life in a meaningful way. Well, long story short, when I came home from Mexico off that mountain high experience, all I could think about was mission work. 
I investigated schools that could help me get ready for the work, and I found Sunset. Here I met my wife. Here I learned the Word of God. And from here, we went to Peru. And after almost seven years, we left that work to return here and to teach in the school. As we made ready to leave the airport in Lima, Peru, several of our church members came to say goodbye. It was a rather large crowd of tear-stained faces. As I looked into those faces, I saw one story after another. One shared crisis, one shared joy and celebration after another. We'd built our lives together for seven years. And then it had come time to say goodbye. One of the elders came over to me and he put his arms around me and my little family. And he pointed to the crowd and he said, look around you. What if your church back home hadn't have sent you to Peru? What if you hadn't have come? Made a difference. Well, if you hadn't prepared me and sent me, it would have been missed opportunity. One I would not trade for anything in the world. Today is Mission Sunday. And we are looking at our mission works and we already see God at work in powerful ways. And once again, we have a chance to do something meaningful, something eternal. We have an opportunity to join God in His eternal work. And I want to encourage you once again, seize the opportunity and then let's together watch the difference that God will make. There's another opportunity this morning. And that's the opportunity of obeying the gospel. And some of us here this morning may be ready for that opportunity. You may be ready to make Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior. And He's ready to receive you with open arms. Or you may want to come and ask for the prayer of this congregation. At this time, if you would like to respond to this invitation, please come as together we stand and as we sing.